Welcome to Lit in Love. I'm Mariah. And I'm Haley. And this is a podcast about books and the love that exists within books. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. I know that it's... Uh, actually, no. I keep saying that. It's been a while. It's been a while for us recording. But hopefully, at this time, you will be listening to podcasts on a schedule. Yes. We have goals. <laughs> <laughs> we have goals and we are going to meet them. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the book that we are going to be discussing today uh, is actually one that we both did read. So we will be splitting the plot and the characters this episode. Yeah. Uh, Haley recommended this one to me. It's really good, you guys. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. I And I'm excited to do it together because usually like this season we've been doing one of us talking about a book so this is like yes our old yes, yes it's nice to take a break yeah okay so it's the invisible life of Addie larue um by v.e schwab and uh really quick just want to put in a trigger warning uh there is uh mentions of suicide so we just wanted to put out this warning for everyone if you're in the u.s Call or text 988 for confidential help or visit 988lifeline.org for more information. The hotline is available in English and Spanish with teleinterpreters from more than 240 languages. There are resources for people who are deaf and hard of hearing. Uh, we will share all of this information and international resources in the description of this episode. So take care of yourselves. Yeah. Mental health is very important. Yes. So, yeah, this is a novel by V.E. Schwab, published in October of 2020. What a time. Uh, before we start in on the author, this book, I just want to note that this book is pretty Eurocentric. Uh, like, she lives for 300 years, and she basically just lives in France and the U.S., <laughs> like places in Europe and the U.S., and so... um it doesn't really get into like issues of racism or most social justice issues. Um, and so it, it's just something to know, you know, that's a choice. Yes. And we're acknowledging yes. that choice. And moving to V.E. Schwab. Um, this is a brief bio straight from the Wikipedia page. Thanks, Wikipedia. I donate to you. Uh, Schwab grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. She went to an all-girls Southern preparatory school. Uh, she completed her first novel, Unpublished, in her sophomore year of college and sold her debut novel, The Near Witch, to Disney before graduating. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> she has lived in St. Louis, Brooklyn, Liverpool, and Edinburgh, and she came out as gay at age 28. Yeah, so I love learning these little details. I was not expecting all of that from her Wikipedia page. Um, it mm -hmm. can color the work of an art author, knowing things about them. Um, so even though I didn't know that she was queer or that she was like well-traveled, knowing that now makes so much sense with the way that she writes because there are queer relationships in this book and – she seems to have, like, an understanding of that, obviously, because that's her identity. And then she is well-traveled. So that, that understanding is there as well with her background. Yes. And, like, all of that – like, yeah, you can see that in the book. Mm -hmm. She made such a believable character and somebody that has traveled around the world uh, and, like, that France was home. Ah, uh, it's good. And I didn't know this, um, 
but she has over two dozen written works, including books, short stories, and graphic novels under both V.E. Schwab and her full name, Victoria Schwab. Um, I didn't know that she had all these other books, and that was like on my list of things to look up. So I definitely will be looking for those. Um, there is a lesbian teen vampire show called First Kill, which she wrote based on her own short story of the same name, which was unfortunately killed after one season. It's on my list. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. But she has some series with new installments announced. She's got a lot going on. So it seems like it's a good time to be a fan of V.E. Schwab. Yeah. And I think um, overall, good job. (laughs) And I think that there's going to be a movie according Mm. to a 2021 article. So so. there hasn't been anything newer there, I read an article about like fan casts and like who they wanted mm-hmm. to play certain characters, and I was like, I don't know if I agree, but it would be fun if there was a movie. Oh, that's so interesting. We should talk about that at the end when yes, we talk about yes. it. I'll try. Stuff. I'll try and find it. I'll find the article. Okay, cool. It should be in my history. That's exciting. I mean, they did a brain on fire movie, so why can't they do a movie for this? Exactly. <laughs> Hey, no no offense to Brain on Fire. Sorry, by the way. I forgot but, that was yeah. a real person for a second. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to get into the characters. All right, so our main character is Ad- Adeline, right? Yes. I, I think we both spelled it different ways. <laughs> Adeline. Because I was like, I don't know how to spell it because it's Addie most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so... Our main character is Adeline. Oh my god, now I already forgot it again. Adeline? <laughs> oh Adeline. God. Adeline. God. <laughs> the curse is affecting you now. <laughs> I can't remember her. Okay, so Adeline, Addie LaRue, uh, she, I have called, I've quit, oh my god. Let me drink some water. <laughs> I'm like fresh out the bath, dehydrated. Okay. So, Adeline, or Addie LaRue, is the human neuralizer, which, if you are not familiar, it's the short-term memory loss thing from Men in Black. She mm. is born in the rural French village of Vion-sur-Salle, yep, going with that, to a woodworker and his wife in 1691, but she's still kicking and she's still 23. How does she do it? Uh, her most notable physical feature is a series of seven freckles across her face that people often refer to or identify as something that looks like a constellation. And uh, that is seen on the cover of the book as like a little artwork, little graphic. Um, she's betrothed to be wed to someone she doesn't want, and she longs for freedom, time, love, adventure, and life outside of her village. This yearning and other extenuating factors are what cause her to make a Faustian, Faustian bargain with an old god. Some might say this old god is a devil figure. Her life changes forever. So that bargain that I just referred to, I found that on I'm giving credit. This person's essay, Aaron Larson of decoralibrary.org, wrote a mm-hmm. scathing review of this book, but they did teach me a new <laughs> term, so that was fun. Um, so that kind of bargain means that you are – a person is abandoning his or her spiritual values or moral principles in order to obtain knowledge, wealth, or other benefits. And then 
after her bargain, what we learn about her and how she grows is through art, culture, food, wine, and books. Like, that is who she is. That's her heart is. She's just a kind of a poet kind of figure. Um, Very romantic. She's a cool girl. She truly is. Yeah, relatable girly. So her parents are Jean and Martha. I don't know how to say that. Martha, basically. That's close. That's close. (laughs) Uh, She's closer to her dad. Um, He's just a lot softer. He's a woodworker. She holds on to a wooden ring that he made for her, like, the day she was born or something. Like, she had it her whole life. Mm -hmm. She can't maintain many possessions over the centuries, but she keeps this ring. And then the meaning behind that kind of gets ruined for her. But he teaches her to read and write, which is, like, really wild for 1691 rural France. Mm -hmm. Um, He's just kind, gentle, supportive. Uh, Her mom is strict and doesn't want her to read, and her mom is kind of the one shoving her into this marriage. Estelle is the goat. She's an eccentric, (laughs) old, childless, single woman in Addie's childhood village. You might say a spinster. She's an elder that's in touch with her spirituality. She worships the old gods in the forest and doesn't conform to anything that's expected of her. And basically, Addie wants to be just like her. She is great. I love her a lot. And a lot of the like scenes in which Addie talks about her are very like heartwarming and tender. Yeah, she's she describes her as like a tree where she's mm-hmm. like planted and extending towards the sky. So I get Earth sign vibes from Estelle for sure. Yeah. Um, Isabel, there's not much to say about Isabel, but Isabel is Addie's like best friend from childhood that's just very conventional and does as she's told. Um, what is it? Addie she has three Ed. kids by the time Addie is three ki- oh 23. Gosh. Wild. Can you imagine? I and also like the way that Addie describes her, she's like each time she has a child, like she gets more and more tired. <laughs> it's like, oh man. Yeah. Of course you do. And you're only 23. It's only gonna get worse from here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we get to the the love well the fun stuff. The fun guy. Let me rewind a little bit. Okay. So now <laughs> we're getting into the fun stuff, the main characters, the main conflicts of the story. So we have Luke, uh, a.k.a. the Darkness, a.k.a. the Stranger. He's an old god who answers after dark. Um, I love it. So that's how she comes across him, because she's praying after dark. And he shows up like, hey, you ring. Uh, he's a <laughs> demonic kind of being that takes the shape of a man that Addie imagined in her fantasies. Like, she literally, like, dreamed up a face, and it was his face, and she's like, what? But it's because he can, like, be in her head. Unfair of him, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm going to be as sexy as possible. <laughs> For no reason. Yep. Yep. Oh, he's so dramatic. So he wants her soul. That's like his main thing. Besides Mm -hmm. being a little evil, he wants her soul. Or very evil, depending on how you look at it. And then we have Henry Strauss. Uh, He is pivotal to Addie's whole story. He's the guy. He's the man. He's loved by all. He's hated by one, himself. Uh. He works (laughs) in a bookshop. He's directionless and melancholy. Uh, Typical English major. Um, (laughs) He has close but obnoxious friends. 
He is so sad for being so liked. What is his deal? Oh, it's because he's hung up on his ex, Tabitha. Um, can't get over the fact that she left him. Yes. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that, but... It was it was sad. <laughs> it was a sad moment for him. Yeah, it was very hard for him, and he was kind of hinging a lot on that relationship, and so when that fell apart, he totally had an existential crisis, I think, kind of crumbled. Yeah, it was the last straw. Yeah, and I think, like, with Tabitha, he kind of saw a future, and, well, we'll get more mm-hmm. into that, but... Um, And then we have B, who is Henry's good friend, art student, lesbian, funny, friendly. She makes the connection of Addie being in multiple artists' work because she's working on her dissertation. Uh, Robbie is obnoxious. Um, I can't stand Robbie. (laughs) He is the jealous ex-boyfriend and current friend of Henry. He's the stereotype of the worst guy in your drama club. He absolutely has to be the center of attention or he will literally explode and die. Yeah. And he's like the only one who is always mean to Addie. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody else, like Addie is a pretty nice person despite all that mm-hmm. she's been through. Every, almost every single time he meets her, he has to, he's mean to her. And she's like, all right, we just got to deal with this guy. Yeah. He's pretty immature. But I know that he is good looking. I know that he is. And it is unfair. Yeah. He is. But his personality ruins it. (laughs) Then we have Henry's sister, Muriel. I only wrote that she's worried because I feel like that's her defining characteristic. She's worried about Henry. She also is like, because she's like an art critic, but she's younger than Henry. Yeah. And he's our age. He's like 27, 28. She's an art critic in New York. And so, like, everything that she says sounds, like, fanciful, but also academic. Mm -hmm. She's, like, a lot. Yeah, she's very accomplished in her own way. Um, And then his older brother, David, is very accomplished. He's a surgeon. And he's more, like, judgmental, like, looking down his nose at Henry because Henry is, like, still not figuring out his own career or his life. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Henry's parents are kind of waspy rich cold distant that kind of vibe ah uh, sad is his family i just said waspy and then i was like wait is he jewish i had a panic moment he is jewish okay well scratch that then they're not waspy they're not really waspy but like upper crust of new york yeah yeah parents who have a son that's a doctor and they're emotionally <laughs> distant <laughs> yeah uh yeah so sad disappointing yeah so then we have i'm gonna go into some exes of Addie because she has a pretty long dating history which i think mm-hmm. is fun and it helps to like show the expanse of time that she's been living through mm-hmm. so yeah. some modern people are james st Clair, who is a closeted movie star that she helps get some like hetero publicity for um and she'll also like use his fancy apartment and drink his wine and stuff yes i love his apartment yeah, like um, one of the best things about this book is the setting descriptions. Like mm-hmm. it's very flowery and fanciful, but it just feels like luxury. Um, so we have Sam, another modern lover who is a NYC painter. Um, she was Sam's muse. Oh, and Sam is also a woman. 
I think is Sam the only woman mentioned in I think, detail? I think the only woman mentioned like specifically by name and it's like a story. But like in the yeah. beginning of the book, Addie mentions men and women. So she's Yeah. Definitely at least bisexual. Yeah. And then so she's cool. I like her personality. She's very warm and open. I love Sam. <laughs> um, like, what is the thing uh, when Addie was, like, remembering and kind of being sad? And she's like, and Sam, who always invites her in every single time. It's like, God. Yeah. So sweet. Um, then we have Toby Marsh, who is a musician that Addie keeps going back to um, and basically having one night stands with. Um, and she helps ghostwrite a song for him. Um, and it's weird for her because she, like, hears the song yeah. playing and, like, watches him perform it. And so, oh, and then Remy. So back in time, back in 1724, which is 10 years after, we will get into it. What is it? The time of Voltaire? Yes. Yeah. Is that? He was reading Voltaire, right? Yeah. But he was there. So he was like reading a pamphlet of Voltaire and then he came into the salon and he's like, why don't you go talk to him? He's like, not today. I don't know this man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he was like a Voltaire fanboy. That's right. Yeah. Um, Voltaire wrote Candide, right? Hmm? Voltaire wrote Candide, right? I'm cutting this out if I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, it is. But yeah, it is a Voltaire. <laughs> I've read, read it. it. Oh, you did? Nice. Yeah, I think I had to read it for college. Um, it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go back to Remy. Yes. Okay, so Remy is a cool guy. They <laughs> meet at a salon. <laughs> uh, they talk all night, uh, sharing ideas and just talking about life, philosophy. He's like a deep guy. Before they go home together, Addie is cross-dressing at the time in order to feel safe um, and to basically be looked in the eye and acknowledged and listened to as a person. Uh, Remy inspires her to read novels that he tells her about, um, including Voltaire. Uh, He changes her life, but he gives her money after their sexual encounter, and it makes her feel bad. And we'll get into the reason why he does that but i think that um he changes her life both because he encourages her to read novels and because that kind of makes her want to put an end to sex work and then honorable mentions for characters we have vanessa the hot barista and book the cat (laughs) yes uh i do love i do love book the cat um because he is like almost immortal himself (laughs) So I'm going to do like a very quick overview and then I'm going to do detailed plot. So if you don't want to be like specifically spoiled, you can hear me read this little tiny piece and then you can move forward. So this is the story of a 18th century French girl who after calling upon the old gods to save her from a small and controlled life of marrying someone she doesn't want to, she ends up becoming immortal and forgotten. The book switches between descriptions of art pieces that she influenced, time periods, locations, her past, her dealings with the darkness, the people she's loved, and the present 2014 New York City. The book is told in parts, and some chapters do feature another main character named Henry Strauss from present New York City. 
So Adeline LaRue is the only living child of Jean and Marthe LaRue and Vion Sorsart. And the only reason I know how to pronounce anything is because I listened to it on audiobook. It was beautiful. Like, the person who read the book, it was nice. She did all these different accents, most of them French. It was lovely. She was really great. I, I just read it months ago, so I forgot everything. Well, not everything, <laughs> but you know. Not everything, but yes. Um, so she has only ever left her small town to go to market with her father to another city. And like Paris is so far out of reach for her before this happens. So her world is a small town. Um, like Haley said, her father is like a very kind and sensitive man who teaches her how to draw. She, he teaches her the alphabet so she can write some things and she kind of, is fostered in that way. She doesn't really want this small life that seems to set out in front of her. Uh, she is friends with the only seemingly only unmarried woman in town, uh, Estelle who passes on her beliefs in the old gods. And so Addie, before all this happens, kind of thinks that she's going to grow up and become Estelle, a tree in the village, unmarried and ultimately free. But unfortunately, it doesn't really stay that way uh, when she is 23 years old, which at that time she thought she'd made it past the threshold of having to be married, like 23 old maid. Uh, <laughs> but her parents do find her someone to marry. It is a man who has lost his wife and already has several children. I'm pretty sure his name is Roger, but don't quote me on that. Uh, and Addie is expected to take care of his children he already has and have more of her own. And Addie is like, devastated she doesn't want this and ever since she learned that she has to marry this person she's been praying to the old gods uh and so like i said estelle taught her about them and that you ask for you can ask for things and you have to like leave sacrifices like in the river in the dirt and you're like giving up things that are important to you so one time her dad bought her very fancy drawing pencils she took one of them and she put it in the dirt and asked for something so it's like that's like a it's like a weird trade-off. And like, they're not always going to listen, which is, it does suck. You're like leaving your nice things in the dirt. But so, and Estelle has warned her multiple times. And we hear it multiple times in the book. Never pray to the gods that answer after dark. Mm-hmm. So Addie, of course, heeds that. And so she's praying to all these gods during the daytime, but she's getting desperate because nobody is answering her. And on the day of her wedding, The gods still have not answered her prayers and desperate to escape what's happening. She flees into the forest in her wedding dress, gives up whatever she has left, closing her eyes and praying that somebody will answer. She doesn't notice that the sun has set and she meets the darkness. He takes the form of a man that she came up with, which really sucks for her because she basically created a person that she wants to love, like this very handsome man with dark curls and green eyes and a Cupid's bow mouth. Like he's hot (laughs) and it's unfortunate. So, but he also is like, Addie describes it a lot when she talks to the darkness. He's got something to him that isn't human. Like once you look at him, you know. And so he comes to her in that form and he, she doesn't know exactly what she wants. She knows what she doesn't want. She doesn't want to be married and she wants to be free. She wants to live a life. And so he kind of twists this deal out of her to where she doesn't really know what she's agreeing to and it sucks, but 
She gets all the time that she could ever want. She will be free and he can have her soul when she does not want it anymore. But the price for immortality and freedom is that anyone who sees her will always forget her. She can't leave a mark upon anything or anyone, which is completely devastating. Like I was starting to read this book and I was like, Haley, this is real sad. <laughs> yeah. Like she can't even write graffiti on a wall. She, she she can't write her name. She can't tell anybody what her name is. Mm-mm. And she spends like a lot of time like learning exactly what the curse is because she doesn't notice. She doesn't realize it at first because the darkness doesn't really repeat his terms. He's just like, this is what's going to happen. Uh, so he's definitely a trickster. Yeah, he's a scammer. Yes. Yeah. Joanne the scammer. <laughs> um, so after she makes that deal, she has to experience everyone she loves in Vion, not remember her, and basically cast her out. Because anytime they lose sight of her, they forget who she is. So like even just like it's like usually passing through a threshold. Like if somebody brought her inside and then they went back outside to go get something, they come back inside, they don't know who she is. <laughs> so she's got to experience a bunch of deja vu. And she says that a lot in the book. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it would wear. It would wear upon me. Um, so she spends some time in Vion, but she decides to go to Paris. And she spends a really long time in Paris, like learning how to survive as a person. First off, as a young woman, alone, mm-hmm. with no money, and then also without anyone that can help her because no one remembers her. Very difficult first probably 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but she goes to Paris, she goes to Spain, to Boston, New York, uh, a bunch of different places, and New York is where she is in the present. So she has lived through wild technology advances, wars and revolutions, mm-hmm. And the stranger, the darkness, who she literally names, she comes up with a form for him and she names him, uh, Luke. And he comes to her at first regularly every year on their anniversary, asking if she's had enough, like if she will surrender her soul because her terms were he can have her soul when she doesn't want it anymore. So he's kind of made her life really difficult. So hopefully she'll give up her soul sooner. But Addie gets by on spite a lot of the time because she wants to survive. Um, but she also gets by on wonder. She loves learning about all the new things uh, that are coming into the world, like experiencing all of the new art. It's beautiful. So he comes regularly asking if she will surrender. And it's like a game of chess that never ends between them. It's very good and very well written. Yeah. Um, it's because uh, they're both smart. Mm-hmm. Addie is a smart girl. Yeah, it's definitely a battle uh, of wits. Like they're both kind of, well, I would say he's definitely enjoying it. Like, oh, well, yeah, her yeah. And, like her surprising him and all of that. And then she does like, she wants to like gloat. She's like, it's a bad idea to tell him because then he'll just ruin it. So I'm going to savor that I have something for myself and I'm not going to tell him. Yeah. Because she has to learn that because Luke is really mean. Like, he's a good villain. Yeah. He's not a wimp. No. He's really mean and cruel. He will definitely hurt her. He's very powerful. And yeah. He doesn't yeah. care about sparing her from anything. Um, yeah. But, yeah, she recognizes that he's, like, very powerful and ancient and, like, she'll never be able to 
beat him. Like there's this feeling of defeat before she's even tried throughout the whole book. Yeah, she like she knows that she doesn't have this power. Like there's a moment where I think it was her name was Madame Geoffrin. I don't know who that is, but she's probably very historical and she has oh, yeah. this salon where all the people would come. Mm-hmm. And she's enjoying her time there and Luke comes and basically like embarrasses her in front of everybody and casts her out. So it's and like he can control he can control anybody who hasn't promised his soul their souls to him. So he can make anybody do whatever he wants. So it's like she is up against the big homecoming team. Like she it's bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not hard for him to manipulate her. No. He just he's snapping around and things are happening for him. But Addie learns to live this life. It's filled with absolutely heartbreaking things. Lovers do not recognize her in the morning, but she still spends weeks or months with them, reliving the same days over and over. Uh, Like you were talking about with Toby, like she had been with him for several weeks. And then there was this other guy who lived in LA. And every time he saw her, he fell in love with her love at first sight. And she had been with him for like a month. (laughs) Oh, yeah. People are predictable is what she learns. Exactly. Like a lot of them will say the same things upon meeting her over and over again. Like B, who tells her like what um, art period she would be from every single time she meets her. <laughs> Love it. And I'm like, what would my thing be? Who knows? I was just going to add something that's ironic about her being forgotten is that she is like a very striking and interesting person oh she's amused for so many artists because they find her so inspiring and muse worthy like she would not be forgettable yeah if there was not this curse yeah it's a tragic irony especially with the yeah especially with her uh freckles that everybody's like oh my gosh stars (laughs) it's a little bit manic pixie dream girl but you know it's fine (laughs) yes but After, like, living for so long, she does figure out how to leave a mark through art and ideas. So people don't specifically remember her, but they remember ideas that she left them with. Mm -hmm. So she, like Haley said, she's been a muse for a bunch of artists. Um, She helped Toby write the song. Like, she would play it for him, and then he would write down the notes. And then the next day, he would obviously have this song, but he doesn't know where he got it. Um, And with Sam... Sam is such a cool character. Going back to her, she's like, she does skies. She paints landscapes of skies based on people. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's a series. And so she paints Addie as a sky with seven stars. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's almost (laughs) like um, like an aura reading is what Sam does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And then there was like, uh, Italian artist named Matteo who draws her, but her face is obscured. So that's like the deal. That's the curse. It evolves with technology in that you can't take a picture of Addie straight on. Um, and her face is always obscured from literally everything. Yeah. But she's leaving her mark throughout history and you can like track it in the chapters where it's just descriptions of art. Like I think that oh, yeah. one of the first, one of the first ones was a broken bird that she steals from her dad's workshop and she carries it with her for as long as she can. And then it breaks and she loses it. That made me sad. Oh, It was really sad. So like Haley said, she has a ring 
that's the only thing that she cannot lose because it's like charmed. It's the thing that she gave up. It's like her most important thing that she was trying to give to Luke so he would give her immortality. Mm-hmm. He like breaks it and then gives it back to her. And he's like, you can call on me whenever you want. Just put the ring on. So it stays with her. Mm-hmm. But everything else seems to lose her. And, even, and it's sad. Yeah, it's sad. And even the one thing that is like, permanent and constant for her and reminds her of the person she loved most is taken over by luke and like has that association blots yeah luke blots everyone out and so at the time of the present the 2014 new york city Addie is like about 300 years old i don't remember exactly how old she is but it's around that time um and on an ordinary day She is walking around New York City and she walks everywhere because obviously she can't get a cab because they'll, (laughs) she doesn't have any money. Like that's another thing. Like people don't remember her. So it's very easy for her to just take things. Yes, she felt bad before, but she's lived 300 years. This is the only way to go. She's going to take things that she needs. Um, And she does get hungry and she feels pain. But I think that she said that she won't die of hunger. It will just be agonizing. Yeah. Um, which sounds terrible. So, like, she doesn't need to eat, but it would be comfortable to do it. Mm-hmm. So, she um, is walking through New York. She's been there for a while. She has her routines. She goes to the movies. Um, she loves movies, and she also loves to read. So, she goes to a new bookstore that she finds uh, called The Last Word. Love it. Um, and she attempts to steal a book and usually she can get out the door before people stop her and then they'll forget her and go back inside. But this time the bookseller tries to stop her even when she is out of sight and he remembers her Uh, and he continues to remember her. Yeah. I, I like yelled when I read that the first time. Right? Right? (laughs) So... A lot of the times when I read, this is for the listeners, you already know this. A lot of the times when I read, I am reading a physical book and I make a lot of silly annotations. Mm -hmm. Like I'm highlighting or I'm just being like, girl, exclamation point, exclamation point. So I did write a note. Like I have a note in my phone and I do have a lot of things in caps. (laughs) And it was like, Henry can remember her. (laughs) It was a really great moment. We loved it. So his name is Henry Strauss, and he seems to be immune to her curse. And because of that, of course, they like fall in love. Uh, There are chapters that are specifically about Henry. And to be honest, they are sad, trademark. Uh, We kind of slowly learn that Henry is depressed. And he um, has this analogy, this metaphor that it's a storm and the storm will pass. But he definitely is very sad. And he, we find out, made a deal as well. So Haley's mentioned that he had an ex named Tabitha. And his family is cold and distant. And so his like one wish is that he wants to be loved. Because he proposed to Tabitha. And she said no. And they've been together for two years. Mm-hmm. She said no. And... She, like, went to explain, like, why, and he leaves before she, like, finishes talking, but it was, like, you're great, but you're not, and then it, like, cuts off, and, like, we don't know, and, like, he fills in all those things for himself, like, 
he's not enough, like he's not the one, like he's not all of these things. And it's so sad. Yeah. Ah. It's so sad, even though I'm like, did you talk to her about marriage beforehand? Like I always am like, did you talk to them before you decided to propose and spend all this money on a ring? I'm hoping that he did. You're opening yourself up to hurt if you don't have that conversation. Exactly. Yeah, it was very painful. So, and then his parents, there's this scene um, after he makes the deal. But basically, we learn his parents are like kind of always disappointed in him. He's the middle child and his brother's the doctor. His sister is like art critic darling. And they both have such strong personalities. And Henry kind of just feels lost. Um, And I did relate a lot to Henry in the things that he had to say about like being our age and not knowing what you're doing. So that was intense. (laughs) I was like, oh. But basically, he wants to be loved. Uh, his best friend, Rob, or one of his best friends, Robbie, which we don't like that much, they were together and Robbie broke up with him and now they're friends. So it's just like the people that Henry has loved are not loving him back in the way that he needs. And so that's what he wants. Yeah, no one's like holding him close. Everyone kind of, other than I think B would, B would be the exception. Everyone else has him like an arm's length. And, like, Robbie can't love him unselfishly because he doesn't want to be with him because he's directionless, but he wants to be with him because he still has feelings for him. Yeah. Uh, It's sad. Um, And so there's this really intense scene. And at first, when it's described to us by Henry, they don't give us all the information. So it's a little bit of an unreliable narrator situation. But basically, it's the night... Is it the night or the night after he proposes to Tabitha? Because he like goes to the bar with B and Robbie and he drinks and then he leaves because they kind of give the indication that they knew she would say no, uh, yeah. which is also really depressing. Why would they not tell him? I feel like that's a trope in a lot of like romantic comedies. Yeah. It's like, why wouldn't you tell me? And it is true. Why wouldn't you tell your friend? Maybe they were just hoping. Mm. So yeah. that she would say yes. Like, ah. Uh, sad so he leaves them mad he gets very drunk and takes some of these pills that his sister had given him that she calls umbrellas because this whole metaphor of the storm of him being depressed it's like a big metaphor that goes throughout the entire book that his like bouts of depressions are storms his sister has these little things called their pills of umbrellas we don't know exactly what pills they are but apparently they help um and like the storm will pass but there's always another storm but then but then Addie is the sunshine just general general tip get your drugs from the doctor yeah don't get them from your art critic sister who's running around new york with crazy people like an altoids tin or whatever it is <laughs> um and so henry's deal back to that or yeah so back to the henry's deal he's having a really rough time and he is really inebriated and he tries to end his life by walking off of his building and during that time the darkness is there and the darkness is talking to him and henry is again super inebriated super high and also so sad and doesn't believe that the darkness is actually there he thinks that he is like delusional so he's like i don't believe in the devil or i don't believe in the darkness so what could this hurt 
so he makes a deal to be loved, but it like is twisted because Henry obviously doesn't have the words, the correct words for this deal. So Luke just twists his deal into him becoming whatever the person already loves. So he becomes someone that he isn't to everyone. And therefore no one actually really loves him. Yeah. It is so sad. So basically, yeah. he can see like a physical manifestation of this curse every time he talks to people. It's like described as like frost in people's eyes. And the more he tries to like fight it, their eyes become like even frostier and like covered. And it's very sad. And um, it just sucks. And so he doesn't really date anybody because he knows that they don't actually know him. They, exactly. He can't be known. And neither can Abby. And so the only people that he really hangs out with are B and Robbie because they knew him before. And Robbie obviously now becomes exactly what he wants and he wants to be in love with him again. That's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. um, and then B is almost the same as she was before the curse because she doesn't have any romantic love for Henry. Mm -hmm. Um but she does see him as the best friend that he could be. And there's like a scene in which she's talking about it. And he's like, I know that I'm not that good, but B sees that. So I'm going to try and be that friend because that's all that I can mentally do. I really like their friendship for that reason is that they both it, yeah, it's, have pure feelings for each other. Very sweet. She's a good, like solid rock. Yeah, and she always treated him with that amount of love even yeah. before. So. so he, him and Addie like figure that out after probably like, I feel like a week or two maybe of like going on random dates, uh, her meeting him at the coffee shop or at the bookstore, then going to food trucks. She went to a dinner party with his friends. Um, but then Robbie, again, doesn't remember her and is hostile to her every single time. And so Henry gets mad and like, what's happening? And Addie's like, all right, I'm going to tell you the truth. I made this deal. No one remembers me. And then Henry is like laughing. And he's like, of course, of course, of course this has happened. I have made a deal as well. <laughs> so they spend all this time together. Uh, he introduces her to all his friends multiple times. She tells him her story because she's never had an audience before. It's like a beautiful, wonderful thing, and I love it, but not everything gold can stay. Henry is like being a little bit cagey about something, and Addie is worried that despite the darkness not showing up for over 40 years, he will make an appearance on their anniversary and discover Henry. And like I said at the beginning of the plot description, like the darkness comes every there's not really a normal time for it because he wants Addie to be on edge, always waiting for him to show up. But he comes and they usually like have a dinner or he takes her somewhere different or he like imparts some of his weird wisdom on her. But they had a fight in New Orleans about 40 years before the present 2014. And so he hasn't shown up since then. So she's been on her own. And so, of course, now that Addie has somebody that remembers her, of course he shows up on the anniversary and like the true villain he is. He reveals that Henry's deal is even worse than Addie's. Henry traded his mortal soul for one year of being loved. And it's mind blowing. Also, it's like 
did Henry actually say one year or did Luke say that and Henry just nodded and said yes? We don't know. Uh, but we also learn on that night, like Henry has to explain that, like, because he didn't tell Addie at the beginning that he almost committed suicide and the darkness, like, offered him this deal. So, like, of course, one more year of being alive is always good to somebody who wants to die. Mm. But it's still a bad deal. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, like Luke definitely took advantage. Because this is something that I don't understand about the darkness. Is it's never really said. We don't know, like, he seems to be everywhere, like, omnipresent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Addie, of course, was asking for help specifically from someone. Like, she was asking was Henry asking for something from someone? Like, did he expect God to show up? I That's why I'm like, or did the darkness just prey on people like that who are well, feeling that way? We know that he has some omniscience because he's mm-hmm. able to see into Addie's brain to yeah. make himself look like her dream guy. So yeah. he at least could read his mind if he didn't summon him in some way. And so, I don't know. We don't know what Henry was exactly thinking at that time, but Luke shows up and, like, takes advantage of him. Um, And Addie tries to reason with Luke. She agrees to dinner with him, and she's going to try and get Henry free from his deal. It does not work. Addie ends up learning that Luke knew all about her and Henry the whole time, that he basically used Henry as a pawn to break her down. Uh, because nearing the end of the book, it's really Luke who wants to, like, possess Addie. He thinks that's love, um, but he just wants her to be his. And it's so sad. He takes a week, I think, from Addie after that meeting. Because usually he'll, like, spit her out somewhere random and she'll have to just scramble and pick up. So she's got, like, four months left with Henry of this year. And he takes a week of it that she doesn't even get to spend doing anything other than being with him. And so... That's, like I said, he's a mean villain. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, it's August. That really frustrated me. He doesn't care. Nope, he doesn't care. He's not human. Um, And to like talk about him being more of like not a man, she always has to remind herself that, that he is not a man. He is a monster. This one time he took her with him to harvest a soul. I think it was from Beethoven. And Beethoven, and Beethoven oh, yeah. didn't want to give it up. Beethoven's like, please, I need more time. And when the person who has promised their soul to him won't like give it up willingly, he takes it and he becomes this like crazy monster of the darkness, like unravels is how Addie describes it. Like unravels and takes the heart. Well, it's not the heart. It's the soul. Um, but it's the same. That was a scary scene. Oh, right? <laughs> I was very scared. <laughs> He's a scary dude. Yeah, I think it was Beethoven. And then um, I think the other notable people was the person who wrote Tristan and Isolde. I don't remember who that is, but that was a person who promised their soul. And Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. great. Um Frank didn't need to give up his soul. He had the mafia behind him. Literally, that's why I was like, maybe he was the mafia because he wanted protection against the darkness. <laughs> Love it. Um, so it doesn't work. Luke is like, whatever, go like love your human. And um, 
I don't know where to put this scene. I just remembered the entire reason that they haven't seen each other in 40 years is because they fought. Um, the, the fire. Yeah, the, the new. Yeah. So there was a period of time where she spent with Luke for almost 10 years, I think. They like, and I knew, I knew that they were going to kind of be in love while reading it. It was still a shock to read it. <laughs> I was like, mm, all right, fine. Um, so it like culminated in this night where Luke was like, I, let's go home. I have a home for you. And he gives her a house in New Orleans, like one where she can keep all of her things, where she can build a life. And he's trying to like, what she thinks that he does love her. Like a little bit of her is like, I think that it is real. But then he was like trying to convince her that he could change her deal if she would just surrender and that like set off warning alarms in her brain. And she realized that all this time he had just changed his tactics in trying to get her to surrender her soul to him. So it was really sad. <laughs> Again, he's a good villain and that's why they haven't spoken in like 40 years. And so, but that's also where she was like, you don't love me. And he was like, what do you know what love is? We're not human. He thinks that Addie's not human anymore because of how long that she's lived. And she's like, or he's like, what is love? And she's like, if you love me, you would have just let me go. That's what love Mm -hmm. is. Um, Which is a cliche, but it's still true. It's true. It truly is. Uh, What is it? That if you love someone, let them go. And if it was meant to be, they will come back to you. If we said that to Luke, he would kill us. Um, (laughs) What it really really means is like, if you love someone, you respect their personhood and their autonomy. Yeah. And you want them to be happy no matter what, even if you're not involved in the future. Yeah. Ooh. I speak so highly as if I am in love. Um, So. Pedro Pascal, obviously. uh, I can't. I can't with that man. Oh, there's a new episode tonight. I love him. I don't even, I haven't even watched, I haven't even watched that much stuff with him in it. I just love him as an internet personality. He's fantastic. <laughs> and he's really good in The Last of Us. You should watch it. It's not that scary. And the second episode is out in an hour. Maybe. Maybe. I just, I know it's about zombies and I'm not, that's not my favorite it monster genre. It has a twist on it that I think is cool okay yeah all right maybe maybe (laughs) okay so Addie tries to break the deal she can't luke won't let her do anything about it so she has like four months left with henry it's unspoken that Addie will be there with him until the end he says goodbye specifically to his friends but it's not in any like weird way it's just a goodbye and he does not go to see his parents again which is super telling. Um, oh my gosh. I didn't even talk about this. This is also important. Back to his family. So after the curse, he goes to a family dinner and everything is lovely and nice. And he has a good time <laughs> with his family. And that whole part broke me and made me so sad. <laughs> yeah. Like his mom saying that, like both of his parents saying that they were so proud of him. And that they loved him. And oh my gosh. And it was because of the curse that they were saying these things. It's sickening. 
but it's she really twists the knife mm. because how many of us yeah. want to hear those words so badly? Yeah. How many of us want to have a beautiful dinner with our families in which we want to continue staying right? there? Like <laughs> there was the scene, there was a scene or at the end of that scene, he was like, uh, his mom was trying to get him to stay the night and he was like, Usually I'm gone, but this time I might like, what would it be like to like stay at home and know that it will be the same tomorrow morning that everyone will still be happy and proud of me? And I'm just like, Oh my God. Mm, Somebody get this man a hug. It's like he stepped into a Hallmark movie and then he had to step Uh, out of it into reality. Yep. Oh man. Yeah. It was really sad. Um, so he doesn't go to see his family again to say goodbye to them. Uh, cause he thinks, yeah, he thinks he's going to die. So he's like, I don't want to, I don't want it to be a weird goodbye. I want it to be a goodbye that is normal. So they don't like think anything is weird. Very impressed at, uh, his ability to do that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I would have definitely written yeah. some letters to some people. <laughs> I mean, I guess he only has his Robbie B and then he has his family. And then Addie, like those are the only people that are really mentioned. I think there's like a couple friends that come to the dinner party, but they're mostly B, Henry, and Robbie's friends. Oh, so it's not just. Another detail I don't see here is the uh, watch. Was it a pocket watch or a, or a watch watch? Ooh, yes. So that's what um, Luke gave Henry instead of making Addie's like ring magical gave Henry a watch that is counting down his time. It doesn't have any like inner workings. So that's how you know it's magical. It's like a creation from like the Raven cycle series and it's counting down his time. And so he's where I think he has it in his room and Addie like finds it when they first meet and it's not like ticking for her, but it ticks for Henry. Mm. And so he, I think there's a moment where they're together and he's at the movies and he like gets too restless. And you think it's because he's like stressed and depressed, but it's also because his time is literally counting yeah. down. He, he has a similar issue as Addy where nobody can really know him or get close to him or love him like truly. But then he has an, an opposite issue of time where she like has all the time and he has mm-hmm. like none. And so it's a real source of uh, conflict, I guess. Yeah. Because um, Addie's like, well, what is, Addie's like, what is time? Like, we have all the time in the world. Even if he is only going to be alive for the amount of time that a normal human is right. going to be alive, she's like, I'm in for this. It will be nice. So Addie's with him when that, like, night where his time is up, the clock strikes midnight. But Addie secretly made a new deal with Luke. One in which she will go with Luke in exchange for Henry's soul. Um, Addie knew that Luke didn't really want her soul anymore. So the deal that she makes is that she will be with him until he no longer wants her at his side, which is very clever of her to do. But she disappears on the night that Henry is supposed to have his soul taken. She disappears from his life and he's the only one that remembers her, which would also be really depressing so he's had two intense breakups uh, in a row, and um, 
throughout all their time together, he has been filling notebooks with stories of her life because she's never been able to tell her story to anyone. So after she leaves, he kind of takes some time. He gathers all those notebooks and he writes a book that everybody obviously thinks is fiction. And he eventually gets it published and he makes sure that her name is in the title and that she is credited as, a, as the author of the book. Everybody's like, oh, that's a great marketing <laughs> tactic. And he was like, no, this is the truth. And so like Addie's story is out there, if only in fiction. And it's just such a sweet yeah. thing to do, is especially because it probably was so hard for him to do. Another thing about love is... uh he d- he wrote for her like he I know that he was I don't remember specifically if it says like he was in a writing slump or anything like that but he was a writer that wasn't really publishing anything and then he I think it was mentioned because yeah. he works at a bookstore obviously so yeah. he loves books and I think it said that he was like not particularly a writer he just loves stories so it was like this is fitting Okay, he just has that depressed writer personality, but um, he he does he does. Sometimes we don't do things for ourselves because we don't see our own stories as important enough. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously, she's lived a more interesting life than like any human being alive. But exactly, um, it's it's just a thing about love in general. Like, you don't always see yourself as important enough to take care of, but you'll do something for the person that you love. Exactly. And like Addie's like parting words to him are, are like to live a good life, which is probably so hard, especially yeah. now to do without her. But like she gave up. Well, she didn't give up her soul, but he doesn't know that he doesn't know what she gave up to give him yeah. his life back. So he's like, I got to make this. I got to make this work. Yeah. Um, and the end scene is Addie flipping through her book in London, like reading it and being excited before being like whisked away by Luke. But she reveals in the very end that her plan is to make the darkness hate her again because he did hate her for a certain time because she wouldn't give up. Um, And her specific deal this time is that she'll be by his side until he no longer wants her there anymore. And she thinks that she can outlast him which she's like, oh gosh, I think I put it in my favorite quotes uh, because she's like, I'm so excited to do this to him. I will make a masterpiece of his regret. <laughs> and that's one of the most badass lines I've ever heard. <laughs> it was so good. Full of spite. And that's the end. Like we don't know what happens. We hope that Addie does defeat him and that she gets to be immortal on her own terms. Uh, we don't know. We'll see if there's another And it book. ends. I did Google it, and it was like, no plans to make a sequel, mm. just the movie. And, mm. Well, there should be. Because always, we always want, like, a happy ending. And I guess this technically is happy, but not, because she has to go with Luke, so. Yeah, well, Oof. there's going to be future conflicts, even if she defeats Luke this time, because he is yeah. not mortal and then yeah henry is mortal so she's gonna outlive him so that's another source of conflict but yeah but yeah good stuff it was uh it was real good yeah so i actually 
looking at my sources, I looked at two or th- I looked at like four different reviews, two of them positive and two of mm-hmm. them pretty negative. Um, okay. So that was interesting to see the negative side because I first heard about this book on Book Talk and all the mm. things I was saying about it were like, this is so good, like the writing is so beautiful and the concept is so unique and I do feel that way, but um, it's definitely flowery writing and there's parts of it that mm. I felt dragged on a little bit. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. again, we both listened on audiobooks, so it's easy to just skip through that when you want to yes. go faster. Yes, I do feel like at the beginning, because I was listening to, the beginning is a lot of her life in France mm-hmm. um, and like switching back and forth before you know what's kind of going on. So I think that that part, it does take a little bit to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a rule that people give themselves, like, give it 100 pages or something. Like, see if you can get into mm-hmm. it after 100 pages. And I think it is within that. Um, okay. So do you want to get into things we liked, quotes, passages, etc.? Yes, 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 yes. All right. I already said one of my favorite quotes. She will make a masterpiece of his regret. I just think that is a raw line. Um, And then one thing, I think Luke says it first, um, but she takes it and makes it her own kind of like mantra uh, because she loves art. So she says art is about ideas and ideas are wilder than memories. Mm -hmm. They're like weeds always finding their way up. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of becomes... Like, she cannot be a memory to people, so she is going to be an idea. Yeah, and she's going to be, like, a weed in their garden <laughs> and fight her way through that concrete. Yeah, she's going to, like, find... Yeah. yeah. She's going to find her way. And so I really love that quote. I think I did write that one down. She's a survivor. <sighs> she's a survivor. <laughs> um, and then favorite scenes included there is a scene in which um Addie speaks to a french patisserie owner because like henry forgot dessert for dinner and so she's like i got this uh yes and so she talks to him in french and she lies and says that he she knows his daughter but she obviously has like perfect country french that she's talking to him and they both are like this is home to speak to somebody else in french It was so warm and fuzzy. Exactly. I loved that scene. Um, and then there is a art installation that Henry and Addie go to. I don't remember what it is called, um, but it's something industrial, mm. like the refinery or something. Um, and <laughs> there's all these different things that they can do. It's very interactive. And there's a part where you can write on the wall and like leave stuff. And she obviously can't. And so Henry offers her his hand to write with. So she can write her own name and she can draw with his hand. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, my God. (laughs) It's so sweet. Um, And, like, basically all these things that, like, Henry does that are pretty normal. Like, he makes her breakfast. He listens to her. He's filling up the notebooks. Like, all these things that are, like, normal things that boyfriends do, but it just makes it even more so because it's for Addie. Yeah. And that she has not had this before. So all of it was like, oh my gosh, this is so soft and I love it. It is lovely. I agree. And 
Henry in general is not written in the typical romantic hetero book lead way. He is, what is it? I think it's mentioned that he looks kind of like Luke. And that's a comment that Luke has made about lovers that Addie has had. Because obviously Luke looks like what she wanted. This beautiful man with dark curly hair and green eyes. And so it's like unfair of him to say that to her. But Henry kind of looks a little bit like he's got the dark curls. They're very important, the dark curls. Um, What if she has a type? Exactly. Like, it's fine. Um, And then, again, like I said, I just am really impressed with Luke as a villain. Uh, (laughs) He, uh, he's a good villain. And also, he, um, like I said, one of the people who sold their souls was Sinatra. And so they're at a club and Sinatra is singing and Addie's like, dance with me. He dances to Sinatra. Imagining that is funny. (laughs) Do we know what song it was? We do not know what song it was, but we know that it was when Sinatra was young. Um, hmm. But yeah, love it. Love that mental picture of him dancing in the... I just picture like finger waggling <laughs> and like hip swaying. You know? <laughs> yes, because he's like beautiful and he can make anything look good. But in the audiobook reading, the... I think her name is Julia? If that's wrong, again, don't quote me on it. Um, but she did like a very good, like creepy, deep voice for Luke. It was like, my Adeline. Uh, and so he says that to her every single time. And yeah, he just, he was a great part of the book, even though it was sad. Yeah, he was a fun villain. Um, but also frustrating, but that's, oh, you know, for that's sure. how it goes. He's the source of conflict. Um, I feel like I've said source of conflict like 27 times. <laughs> source of conflict. There are multiple. There are. Okay, so I have a couple of quotes I want to say. Um, so this I found highly relatable. You mentioned this passage earlier about how he feels, Henry feels that he hasn't accomplished enough for his age, 28. Mm-hmm. But he goes on this long Okay, I wasn't actually able to find if it's him saying it or if it's just like an internal monologue kind of thing. Either way, it's it, this is about Henry. Yeah. Uh, blink and you're 28 and everyone else is now a mile down the road and you're still trying to find it. And the irony is hardly lost on you that in wanting to live, to learn, to find yourself, you've gotten lost. So Ugh. I hate it, but I love it because... It hurts me, but it's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, I highly relate, and I'm 28, so. So much so much of what Henry was saying, I was like, you have to stop doing this to me. I am <laughs> feeling called out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as you know, I just watched Tick, Tick, Boom for the first time. A mm. uh, lot of the same themes. Thirty <laughs> ninety. Mm-hmm. 30-90. 30-90 forever. And then Bo Burnham did the same thing in Inside. On it's, Turn of yeah. Mm. Two yeah. years, Haley. Oh, Two years. Anyway. Breathe <laughs> it out. <laughs> Moving forward. And then kind of the same theme, but a little more, like, optimistic. Um, yeah. This is from Remy. 
Remy says, small places make for small lives, and some people are fine with that. They like knowing where to put their feet. But if you only walk in other people's steps, you cannot make your own way. You cannot leave a mark. <sighs> that one, I I like the metaphor. I like a also metaphor. True. So true. Um, Remy was cool. Uh, and if there's a one set of footprints, Jesus picked you up. <laughs> or uh, Addie was there. because you can't leave a mark (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah Remy was really great because he was still in like 18th century France and saw her cross dressing and was like "Mm, we're gonna have fun (laughs) (laughs) and was like come to me with this salon I'll get you can try coffee for the first time here's a pamphlet on Voltaire uh And then um, he, so one part of it is that she ends up like selling herself to get money when she's in France or when she's in Paris because she can't get money. She's trying, she didn't know how to steal that well before. And so it had been a terrible experience for her, like sex in general, because people are terrible. And Remy was like the first one that made it really nice. Mm -hmm. So he actually cared and was good at it yeah and then you know after he, he paid her, her and he paid for her ah. and then it turned sour but Sad. it was good while it lasted yeah um there was so much like there's a lot in this book mm-hmm. and i definitely like skipped over some scenes uh, because it's like all-encompassing it's 300 years that she's lived so there's definitely some <laughs> yeah. stuff um, but it was really good. You should read it. Yeah. I mean, and if you don't like it, you can also tell us because I like <laughs> Either way. Exactly. Either way. Let us know. Um. So ships? Ships. So obviously right. the main one, Addie and Henry, ship for life. I want her to come back after she's defeated the darkness and them to be in love. Yeah. Um, Addery or Henny? Yeah. <laughs> Henny. Canny. <laughs> or uh, Le Strauss, which is just adding them together. Or Straru, which is difficult to say. I think Le Strauss <laughs> is pretty fun. Le Strauss. Yeah. Ship name for the ages. What was the case to our Pat's couple name? What? This is completely unrelated, I'm realizing. I, I wasn't sure. Did they do their last names? Stewartson. No. Wait. Is there a celebrity do... couple that did the last names together? Oh, I don't know. Unknown. Hmm. Lestrouse is good, though. Um, Lestrouse. Yeah, I do like them together. I think that um, Henry... <sighs> I think it's good that Henry is going to have time without her because he has such a struggle with identity and with uh direction because you can't be codependent like i think that he does need to go to therapy i think he needs to find a different therapist yeah um but obviously they're not perfect together but they were good yeah i think there's a difference between codependence well i know there's a difference between codependence (laughs) and interdependence yeah and i think um he had a little growing up to do 
for sure. Yeah. And I think at that time, that's the only way that Addie could be with someone. Yeah. Because she was used to it happening in a day. And like people being immediately attached to her and she's spending the entire day and night with them. So I feel like both of them, if it were to continue, they would have to work out some things. Yeah. They both had unhealthy patterns. Yeah. Yeah. So Addie and Luke, Laddie. Laddie. I like how we didn't add any more. That was a perfect ship name. (laughs) (laughs) Laddie. So... There was a time in the book that I was shipping them, and it was before I found out that he tried to trick her for like 10 years in a thingy that she, <laughs> he loved her. So uh, before that, I did ship them together. I was like, oh my gosh, is he going right. to pop up at the end being like, let's go love in a nice way. Um, but uh, ultimately, he's kind of like a fuck boy. Yeah. He thinks that he loves her, but he wants to own her. Mm-hmm. and we don't ship it, or I no. don't ship it. Sorry, I spoke for you. No, no, but <laughs> you did speak for me because I have the same opinion. Like, yeah. it was fun. Like, she wrote it in a very exciting way where it's like, ooh, bad boy. <laughs> yeah. Has the baddest one that there is. <laughs> yeah, but as with um, patriarchal relationships based on uh, power dynamics uh, that are – unhealthy to say the least uh they just want to possess you that's just and i don't understand how he didn't see that like he is the thing that she's trying to get away from well yeah i mean he's not a person so he doesn't have empathy and he sees her as a monster like him and Mm -hmm. so and he knows like that she's much weaker than him and he just wants to control and possess and He's basically a narcissist, I guess. Yeah. Because he's never going to change. And he doesn't really think of humans as people. You know, I know that that sounds stupid, but you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't see them as... Because he can control them with a snap of his finger. Like, he doesn't see them as their own. Yeah. It's very much um, giving Homelander vibes from the boys. Yeah. Yeah. He's just way better at it. It's like, I can do whatever I want, so why would I listen to you, and why would I be a better person? And uh, one thing about him, I guess I forgot to mention, is that Addie learns to, like, read his emotions by the color of his eyes. They are green, but they're different shades of green, and I thought that was a very interesting detail for her to put in there. So, Addie knows when he gets super angry and scary by different greens. Yeah, I thought that was nice. There's a lot of eye stuff in this book. (laughs) Um... Addie and any of her exes. There are plenty of them. I guess just pick your favorite, which I already know yours. Yes. Uh, I picked Sam because I loved Sam. And like the scene that we get of them being together, it's just like a scene um, of them meeting and then her leaving. But Sam is just such a warm, kind person. Yeah. It makes me sad that she doesn't remember her because she says the same thing every time. She invites her in every single time. Ship name, Sadie. Sadie. <laughs> yeah, Sadie but baddie. Um I think I wouldn't I wouldn't want her to be with any of them. I mean, if the circumstances were different, obviously. Yeah. I would ship her and Sam, but uh that would just be too painful. Yeah. At the beginning of the book, when she was with Toby, 
I was like, is he slowly going to remember her? Mm. I thought that maybe he was going to be the main character <laughs> alongside <laughs> her. I'm glad he um, wasn't, though. Yeah. But he does end up writing, like, he writes the song about her. So she gives him the notes and the actual melody, but he writes the song. And yeah. it's crazy that he writes it about her, even though he can't remember her. That was wild to me. Yes. Yeah. He was like this woman in my dreams that I'm in love with, but I haven't met her because I don't remember. She really has a knack for like zeroing in on extremely talented artists. Even before they're popular. Yeah. Eye for it. She's kind of a curator. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. And what was it? That thing was like, uh, you Henry's like, you probably like my sister because she's an art critic. And Natty's Mm -hmm. like, I probably would, but I'm not going to say that to him. (laughs) So, I I love Sam too. She's very warm and sweet, and uh, I remember her being described as like completely open and mm-hmm. like not having any walls up, basically. And it's like mm-hmm. I can't imagine what that's like, but that seems like a very admirable quality. And I also feel like, in the same way that Addie is good at finding artists, she's also good at finding those kind of people. Because those are the people that she needs to connect with. She can't connect with people that take a long time to open up. She can't right. it, She can't do it. Unless she's like working on getting them to have a specific reaction. Like she was with Madame Jaffron. Like she was like trying to make sure she was getting invited to the salon. Yes. And she had like weeks to make the right conversation. To practice, but, yeah. Yeah. I wish I had weeks to practice conversations. That would be great. <laughs> Right? So you would know exactly what are the right words to say or the like right uh, way to say something and that you will get the best possible reaction from the other person. Yeah. Love Some people it. are just naturally charming. I don't <laughs> have that quality. I'm I'm only that at certain times. Yeah. It doesn't if work I'm, on everyone every Yeah. Time. It's o- only certain times and I can't – like people are – yeah, people are just charming all the time and I'm like, I don't know how you're doing it. That must be a lot yeah. of effort. Well, they made a deal with Luke. That's how. <laughs> we can only wonder. Um, but yeah, so I think that Addie is finding those people and that over 300 years she has become better at finding those people mm-hmm. that she can spend all this time with and get to know really quickly. Yeah. Which yeah. does make it even more sad because it's kind of intense. It, it burns bright and then flares out. Yeah. That's the way. Oof. Ultimately, Addie is a great person to be shipped with anybody. She's a catch. She's, She's a catch. the full she, deal. I, in some of the r- negative reviews I was reading, it said that she was boring, that she had no personality traits. And I was like, <sighs> I don't think you're really reading the book because – no. No. Oh, she yeah, was fun. She's witty and she was and smart. She is like a very like I've said romantic person. Like she romanticizes things and likes mm-hmm. luxury and likes art and culture. Like she has a developed personality. Yeah. She takes even though it's a raw deal that she has, mm-hmm. she takes advantage of it and she is going to like yeah, she is sad and she mentions at times that she has gone mad mm-hmm. because of the deal that she's made this curse that she has but she's always in search of something new 
And like, she loves all these different art things. She loves this technological advances. Like she's not staying stuck in being sad. She's like, I am going to have a life in spite of this curse. And like, one of my favorite things is when Luke takes her to see Tristan in a soul day, like she is so completely in love with this opera, like this new art form. And that's how she is about so many things. She's she yeah, falls she completely in love with things, things. And, and like lets them ruminate because she understands that she has the time to do that. And so that makes it an enjoyable read because you are kind of like living vicariously through her eyes. And yeah, it's fun to read about somebody enjoying things <laughs> in like a very real way. Yeah. Yeah, and like, yes, it's relatable. Henry is sad and he's going through all of these things, but also it's a nice balance to have Addie being like, and Mateo drew a picture of me and it was beautiful. I'm beautiful. (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to say is like, as relatable as Henry (laughs) is, it's nice to have the balance of Addie. And I think you and somewhere in the notes put something about how she's like the sunshine to his storm. Yeah. Yeah. She's good. She's his umbrella. He doesn't need no clothes. He doesn't need an umbrella. She's the sunshine. Okay. Soft. Um, (laughs) So now we're going to get into hypotheticals. My favorite section. Oh, yes. Um, (laughs) My favorite is the one that I came up with. Is like, would Edward Cullen survive Addie's curse? Or would he surrender? Because I just think that he would surrender. Yeah. Uh, because he's so sad already. Yeah. Yeah, because he sees himself as damned. Yeah, and he wouldn't want to. He wouldn't want to continue. So he's like, "Oh, there's an easy way out. I'm taking this deal." Right. So let's say that he wasn't a vampire, and he made a deal with Luke while he was on his deathbed with Spanish influenza. Instead of Carlisle showing up, Luke showed up. Ooh. So in that case, I still think he would take it in a very bad way and not have Addie's, like, sense of optimism. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. We don't actually – I feel like we don't actually know that much about Edward before he became immortal. So uh, I just don't (laughs) think that he had it in him. He's not made of the same (laughs) stuff. And I'm trying to – nope, not made of the same stuff as Addie. Um, I was trying to think of other immortal characters, but all I can think of are vampires because those are usually the immortal characters. The interview with the vampire oh. folks. Oh. Little Kirsten Dunst. I feel like she would make it, but I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think that, what's his name? Oh gosh, Tom Cruise? I don't Good think, Tom, I don't think Tom Cruise's yeah, character Tom would Cruise make it. He is so vain. <laughs> he needs to be remembered. He wouldn't, he wouldn't make it. Yeah. Brad Pitt? Maybe. 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 Brad Pitt's more of a observer, passive, wants to protect the kid. I love that we don't remember their names. Um. No. <laughs> but they're weird. Lestrat? Isn't that one? Yes. Of yes. I think so. Uh, sure. Mm. I can Google it. I mean. I know. <laughs> Lestrat. It's from, he's from New Orleans, isn't he? Or okay. is it from Louisiana? Uh-huh. I don't know. Is is slavery a part of that, by the way? 
Um, yeah, yeah. Lestat. Lestat? Lestat de Lioncourt and yes. Louis de There Poincy. we go. Dupont. Dupont? Dupont? It's not even showing the whole thing. Oh, Louis de Pont du Lac. There we go. There we go. And then Claudia. Yes. No last I think, name. <laughs> I think that Claudia would make it. Um, yeah. Maybe not as a child, but maybe she could. That would be one of her stipulations is she would no longer be a child anymore. But yeah, I don't think Lestat would be able to take it. He also no. was not made of the same stuff. No. He reminds um, me more of Luke. Yeah, I was going to say he, he has a similar yeah. personality. It's all about me and my plans and my plots. <laughs> um, okay, so who else do we have up here? Uh um, I think for like hypotheticals, like from characters, uh, from what, what will we do in the shadows? No, that's not what it is. What we do in the shadows. Oh, I didn't right? even catch it. <laughs> I said, where we do in the shadows? What, what would we do in the shadows? It's <laughs> a good question. What would we do if we were the darkness? No, I don't want to answer that. Um, but <laughs> Like, where would those characters fit into this story? The characters from uh, What We Do in the Shadows. And my, like, number one is that I think that Guillermo best fits for Addie. Because I don't think that any of the vampires in that show have the intelligence or spite to survive in the way that Addie did. I love them so much. But I don't know if they would be able to do it. They don't know how emails work. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that all of them would just drink all the time well yeah get through the boredom yeah i don't think that much of their life would change actually because they don't really form yeah they don't form that many uh bonds with humans no no but they just that neighbor yeah yeah except for the neighbor guy who they like brainwashed uh, to infinity but I just, like, without Guillermo, they wouldn't survive. No. Yeah. So, and then Guillermo wouldn't be able to remember them, so it wouldn't really help. <laughs> yeah. I think that Robbie, the theater friend, has a lot in common with the main vampires of the show because they <laughs> need attention, they crave it, they want it, they want worship. And if they don't get it, they will explode and die. Uh, what's his name? Laszlo? No. Oh, no. No. That's from the other, that's from the movie. No, yeah, no, Laszlo. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying Laszlo. No, he would be dead. Yeah. No. It's Laszlo, Nadja, and uh, I always Nandor. forget Nandor. I can never remember his name. And then- Yeah, and that's the only one that I was like, I think it's Nandor. Yeah, Laszlo. The guy who plays Nandor is really hot. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah, um, because, yeah, because of reason. <laughs> um, I agree. Robbie is kind of that way. Yeah. And I just, if it weren't for that one scene of him, like, kissing Henry while they're going to make popcorn, it wouldn't be as bad. But that just made it so sad. <laughs> I forgot about that. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was sad. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other characters in What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, cause I can't only think of those, the main guys. 
Because I don't think there's anybody in that show evil enough to be the darkness. Uh, uh, even, like, the ancient vampire guy is, like, pretty chill. Yeah, he's he's fine. He's pretty chill. Yeah. <laughs> Guillermo will always be the final girl. Yeah, Guillermo's a badass. I mean, even if we exclude the vampire slayer from his blood, like, he's always... Yeah found a way to survive without before he discovered his violent capabilities yeah oh man it's a good show basically anytime we discuss a show in hypotheticals it is a recommendation for other people to watch yeah so i hope you enjoy ridiculous immortal vampires and i do that's what like i was trying to explain this book to somebody and i was like so it's like vampires, but not. And it's also like time traveling, but not. <laughs> you know. Because it's got. <laughs> I've talked a lot about this book, too. And I did not go in that direction at all. I, I said it was like. <laughs> because. Oh, if you like art history, you're going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> because there's the immortality yeah. and a curse that comes with immortality, yeah. but it's not blood. And then also the book acts like she's time traveling because it's all right. it jumps around different yeah. like it's not one story in chronological order yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's what my brain that's what my brain went to when i was trying to explain it to my uncle <laughs> it's true he's read so many books on goodread shout out to my uncle <laughs> he's like i think his goal is to read a hundred but he's like he's taking them off real fast <laughs> this year or this year yeah, yeah. It's great. Proud of him. Um, And then the other ones are not specific. Like, I just put it in discussion. I don't know if we want to really get into it, but I did put, what would you trade your mortal soul for? (laughs) Okay, so. I don't know. Are we talking like original deal, like what you ask for? I think at this point we would have to be like exactly what we ask for. Like, uh, I want this written down. Because anything can be twisted into anything. Right. And he's smart. What would I pray to the gods after Dark Horse? Because I also want to be immortal, but I obviously want to be remembered. Yeah. Because that's like a big thing in all of our lives, and it's in this book too. The theme is like there's never enough time. So I – because sometimes I feel like I'm running out, and so then I don't do things because I'm like, I'm running out of time, and I don't have time to do this. But if I had all the time, then maybe I wouldn't feel like that and I would get more things done. But I just don't know what the trade-off would be because I don't think I would be able to survive that way. Um, Especially growing up the life that I have. I don't think that I would be able to live with being forgotten. Mm. I, yeah, it hurts to be forgotten or ignored or left out in general and like Mm -hmm. being a shy kid i felt that plenty so i would not be down for that um i would say it would be cool to have the gift of persuasion like we were talking about charm Ooh, yeah i would like to have i guess some version of henry's curse but yeah oh my gosh (laughs) specific enough where i'm like 
I want to live to the age of 90 and be perfectly healthy. I want (laughs) to have a normal family and I don't want everyone to be in love with me all the time. I just want to be able to turn it on like a switch. Yes. And then you could argue with people on the internet and then you would actually change their minds. (laughs) That's the goal. That's always the goal. Totally not to be petty. Uh, That would be good. (laughs) Totally not. Yeah. Of course not. But we can all agree that Henry's deal was like a hundred times worse than Addie's, right? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's so lo- it's still being lonely and he barely has any time. Do you think, okay, circling back to your question about how did Luke find him, do you think he was just like scrolling mentally through all the people in New York City and he was like, this guy kind of looks like me? I thought I could torture Addie with him. Because he said, like, I gave him to you wrapped like a present, essentially. Oh, my gosh. So right? did, like, it was all part of the plan. Oh, man. What a raw, also a raw line. Yeah, I think so. It was all, because I think, ah, I should have went back. But I think that there is a moment when they're meeting and he's talking to him and Henry doesn't think he's real and he'll mm. he like said something to the effect of like you'll do or something like that and then obviously it's like yeah because yeah. he looks like Addie and his curse is going to work perfectly for Addie so even though Henry's his own person Luke is using <sighs> him as like a pawn and like we don't yeah. really care about his life he's gonna just be here for her so sad mm. <sighs> I'll be thinking about him for a while. So how much agency does Henry actually have? Ooh, that's an interesting That's why I think that's why I think that he his curse is like or his deal is the worst because Henry didn't like set a time. Mm-hmm. He barely even articulated what he wanted. He just wanted <laughs> to be loved. That could have meant anything. Yeah. And Luke like twisted it into that. So I feel like that's Luke's goal, not only in getting souls, but making the worst possible deal for the other person as possible. The monkey paw thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oof. Yeah, definitely a worse deal. Um, and also, everything is tied to Addie. Like, as much as they love each other, if things don't work out between them, yeah. if they're ne- never able to see each other again, he's always going to be thinking about her. And, like, he won't be able to move on, really. Like, and fall in love again. Because it was a weird, yeah, it wasn't a weird closure. Yeah. Or it wasn't a normal closure. It yeah. was a weird closure and that she disappears. And they had this, like, otherworldly connection that he'd never be able to explain. Yeah. Yeah. So, oof. Hard times. Hard times. So much of when I was, so I read it again. I read it on Audible. Free Club for the girlies, I guess. Um, <laughs> and... That meant that I like read, it took me longer to read because I usually only listen to Audible when I'm driving. So in between, when I was reading it, I would just be like racking my brain on how she operates in the world because she doesn't say everything in the book. And I'm like, how does she do things? Like, how is she traveling? Can she get on a plane? How would that work? If now she has Henry, could she get on a plane? Like, I was just thinking about it a lot. Yeah. I feel like a train would be easier because, like, yeah. the person who walks down the aisle and checks your ticket, they leave the cart and they come back and they're like, wait, why are you here? Let me check your ticket. And you're like, it's still here, man. 
But like, yeah, now your name is like on every boarding pass. Like, can her name even be there? And she doesn't have like ID can she or anything like that. Travel under that pseudonym or exactly, exactly. So it's just like I was trying to like rack my brain. I was like, okay, so if Henry bought two tickets under his name because he wanted space, and then she shows up at the airport and slips through security because no one remembers her, and then she just gets on the plane next day. So wild. Imagine she just gets tackled before she can slip away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, that's what I was thinking about a lot of the time, the mechanics of how she lives. It's very interesting. That dressmaker scene stuck out to me. Oh, yeah. Where she's like, I want to get this tailored, and he disappears into the back and forgets she exists. Yeah. She's so smart. So smart. So smart. <sighs> but yeah, uh, probably be talking about this book for a while. Yeah. Telling everybody that they need to read it. So I hope that if you have already read it, that you enjoyed this discussion. And if you haven't read it and are the kind of person that likes to read books after knowing about them, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you liked the spoilers, you sinner. Yeah. (laughs) And if you like romance and fantasy, you're probably going to like this. And if you don't, just try something new because I don't usually read books like this, but I just went for it and it was fun. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Get out of your comfort zone. Discover something new. Yeah. Make Addie proud. Surprise yourself. So if you would like to get in touch with us, please don't make a deal with an ancient god and accidentally ruin your own eternal life. You can find us on Instagram at Lit and Love Pod, or you can email us your compliments, or I guess if you have questions, suggestions, or passive aggressions at litandlovepod at gmail.com. Thank you. Bye. Bye.